welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We are excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for joining us for the podcast. Today, we are looking at Proverbs chapter 9. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the Bible with you. Before we dive in, it's good stuff. Bobby, question for you. Oh, no. When you think of nemesis, for this. arch nemesis, okay. villains, antagonists, who, what comes to mind? What stories, what books, movies? Well, I, I feel like I'm having a lot come to my mind right now. Uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe is really popular with our kids, and all of us, I don't know why, but like the White Witch just really gets under our skin. Is my microphone not working? Is it sounding funky? It's working. It's just you need to talk a little louder into it. Sorry, let me talk louder. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind, Um, the White Witch and how uncomfortable she makes all of us. And it's odd because she's not really like a very violent, like, you know, there's not a lot of gore in the stories and stuff like that. But it's just this like, just really conniving and critical like tone and stuff that she has. I don't know. That's So that's probably the first one that comes to my mind. I'm also thinking of like superheroes because that's what Cal's into. Yeah. But I, the only bad guy I know is Thanos right now that I'm like, that's just like the baddest of the bad guys. He's real bad. And he has the the jewels. What is that? The, the gauntlet. The infinity stones. Yes. Yes. If, you're, so that's a, if you're a Marvel fan, you have that. I think of uh, the Jedi of? and the Sith. Oh, of course you do. Of Light course and you darkness. Do. Think of Rocky also, Balboa and Apollo Creed. Oh. Rocky Balboa. But they become friends. Ivan Drago. Spoiler. Oh, Drago yeah, not, kills Creed. Yeah, not Ivan And Rocky Drago. beats Drago. A... Anyways, <laughs> the reason why I ask this is all good stories um, have kind of two sides to it, right? Yeah. Um, the good guys and the bad guys, whatever. One of the things the Proverbs does here is it sets up wisdom versus folly. And uh, you're going to see this mm-hmm. word folly, and you have seen it, we'll continue to see it pop up in the Proverbs. Folly defined is a lack of good sense or normal prudence and foresight. It could also be said that folly is criminally or tragically foolish in its actions or conduct. Mm. And the reason why I want to begin by talking about these the nemesis here, yeah. wisdom versus folly, is because in this proverb, the first part's dedicated towards wisdom, and mm-hmm. the second part's dedicated towards folly, and they call from a house situated in the highest place. It's like they both come from the same place. Mm. They both begin with the same invitation, mm-hmm. which you're going to notice when we read here in just a minute, is both wisdom and folly say, let all who are simple come in here. Yeah. And then there's an added an invitation to a meal. Mm-hmm. So both wisdom and folly use Proverbs. Wisdom's speech concludes with a series of Proverbs ending with, if you're wise, yeah. your wisdom will reward you. Or if you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly has one proverb. You'll read it here in verse 17. And it says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. So when you look at these two things, wisdom and folly, the question is, how can you tell the difference between the two? Yeah. Because they're coming from the same place. They're saying the same thing. Yep. And the answers would be wisdom works at building and preparing in order to have mm. an extravagant um, banquet in, in this within the framework of the meal here to offer her guests. Where Folly sits at her door, is loud, is undisciplined, and doesn't have any knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then you notice, too, the food's different in this proverb. 
Wisdom offers right. wine and meat. Folly offers bread and water. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing is that wisdom seems to be inclined towards the future. Like what you decide today will have consequences and effect not only today, but tomorrow mm-hmm. and the weeks to come. Where folly offers an immediate pleasure. And the scriptures say this leads to death. So I want to just lay that as the foundation before we actually read the proverb. I want you to pay attention to how wisdom compares to folly. They sound similar, but can we have a discerning ear and a discerning heart to tell the difference between the two? Yeah. Because the world might, you know, offer love and acceptance and belonging. Right. But there comes a price with the ways of the world where God also offers love and acceptance and belonging. And there might sound similar, but they're vastly different. And mm. the end result's going to be very different as well. That's so good. So you want to kick it off by reading the first six verses? I'm going to kick it. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live and walk in the way of insight. So super interesting invitation. You already kind of laid it out. You hear that it's she's calling from the highest point of the city. You hear how she's prepared. You hear how her meat and her wine is mixed. And in this, there's so much clarity and transparency for what is going on that we know the wisdom, wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord, it's simple. This isn't tricky. There's transparency. This is the expectation. This is what I've done. I've prepared a way. I'm available. That's what... That's kind of the invitation, isn't it? Yeah. Into the way of Jesus. It's mm-hmm. just like, hey, follow me, repent and believe and follow me. And then that's kind of the beginning. That's where everyone starts. Everyone starts there. That's what grace says, that we start from that position, no matter, you know, what kind of past we're leaving behind. If we do the 180 and we get on our knees and we repent and we say, Jesus, we need you as Lord of our life and we start walking with him, then that's the truth of what happens. And then the chapter here continues verse 7 through 12 Mm -hmm. and it continues with just deep insights about wisdom and what it kind of looks like and really the climax is verse 10 the the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding and i'll finish it 11 and 12 for though for through wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life Mm -hmm. if you are wise your wisdom will reward you if you're a mocker you will suffer alone so you see how verse 10 kind of the the hinge point there of the first section about the woman the way of wisdom yes how the fear of the lord is such a distinguishing quality for wisdom and how that really kind of sets up the rest of the chapter to make um, big separation from the way of folly. Mm-hmm. And before we even move on to about, uh, we're going to talk about having a teachable spirit and what it even means to receive this kind of wisdom. You have to start with the fear of the Lord. And Pastor Ken said this in a sermon. Now it's already been a few months back, but he made the point, And I think it kind of resonated with a lot of people where you know, we've got folks that have a lot of letters after their names that are that are teaching us and that are making claims and that maybe they're at university or wherever they are. But if that person does not know and revere the Lord, if that person does not know the fear of the Lord, if that person is not living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then I would really question what's going on. Well, you could, I mean, not that we should label people, but that is foolish. You can be 100%. a wealthy person with a lot of letters behind your name and be a fool. Yes. Yeah. And so that, because that is the, the hinge point is yep. distinguishing because folks at the end, at the end of the day, like Clark has said in the revelation podcast, the biggest problem in the world is sin. 
And the biggest hero of the story and of the world is Jesus. And if you Mm -hmm. don't know that, that's where you need to start because then true wisdom is going to set in. And then that's when we need to have a teachable spirit. Yeah, the the wise have a teachable spirit. If Mm -hmm. you're a wise person, you'll say, God, give me a soft and teachable heart. And I want to say, it might not be natural at times. There might be times where you fear being critiqued or you don't want to hear where we could be better. Sure. But at the end of the day, if you want to grow as a person, if you want to grow in a skill set, if you want to become stronger, quicker, smarter, but whatever it is, the teachable spirit's crucial, whether it's in our walk with God or again, it is in an economy or a skill set. And so as we have a teachable spirit, we need to receive teaching and instruction. And then as a Christian though, we also pass it on to other people. When you have a teachable spirit, it not only blesses you, it's going to be a blessing to everybody around you. Mm -hmm. I've once heard it said, teach and you will learn twice. Meaning Mm. once you have received instruction, you have honed your skill, your gift, your experience, and then you pass it on, that that truth, that reality is only going to become deeper in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your abilities. Mm -hmm. So just take a case in point, Bobby, you are um, teaching some of our kids how to bake. Well, your mom taught you how to bake. For sure. And even back in the day, you had these things called, you know, like little baking cards or whatever, cookbooks. And, <laughs> recipe and, and cards. And now, yeah. recipe cards, whatever. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not in there that often. I um, I am the breakfast king here. I make the baddest breakfast okay. burrito in the I land. You use labels. Best breakfast, <laughs> Western Mississippi. Um, if you uh, keep doing this, now, Bobby, you've received it. You're passing it on. You've given this to Kirby, to Cal, and to Kit, really. They're all doing this. To the point where you don't even have a recipe card anymore. So you're teaching it. You've learned it not only two times, three times, four times. So when you take the things of God and you receive them and you have a teachable spirit and allow older, wiser men and women to instruct you and to guide you Mm -hmm. by God's word and you receive it and then you pass it on, you're going to learn two times, three times, four times. It's going to become a powerful, powerful gift. So it's depending on how we respond. To instruction, it will reveal whether we're in the camp of wisdom or we're in the camp mm. of folly. Mm-hmm. Just a funny story. A couple months ago, I, the Lord had already been wrestling in my heart with, with my ability to articulate and be a little more accurate in my word choice. So obviously, my part of my job is to speak and to write and to communicate. And I think there are times in like my sermons where I pick points that I'm like, this is going to be a really key point to, to make yeah. sense of, and you have to elaborate at another level. There are other points yeah. where I will just communicate and kind of air my thoughts, and it, honestly, it's not as tight and articulate as it probably should be. Um, yeah. I'm still mindful. I'm still thinking it through, but I haven't spent as much time in some right. points as I do in other points, like how do you get to the gospel as opposed to an introduction. Um, and I just felt like I need to do a better job of this. Well, I, I received this note and it was basically uh, anonymous. It was anonymous note, which that's funny and not cool at the same time. If you're going to say something to somebody, feel free just to write your name on it. Um, but it's all right. And uh, but what they said, I, I took to heart because it was in somewhat of alignment with what God was saying. Just being wise with my words, choosing words that were helpful um, for people of all generations and all ages to receive what God is saying. And so in that moment, when I opened up the letter, it was just like, all right. God, give me a teachable spirit. What of this do you want me to receive? And what of this do you want me to throw in the garbage? Because at the end of the day, I'm sure I care for this person and I want to grow. I want to be a better teacher. And so what do you have for us? And uh, yeah, yeah. 
That's a really good word. I think that's so applicable to pretty much every day of your life. Like yeah. If you want it to be, if you're going to walk in humility and actually want to learn and grow, then I think that that's, uh, yeah. And what comes out of that, though, is a very, very specific call for discernment. So if you read verses 13 through 18, it actually sounds pretty similar. I'll mm-hmm. go ahead and read it. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. <laughs> Just lay it out there. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. Again, sounds so similar. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Foodie and in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. And so you notice that Folly's house seems to be positioned very similar right next door to their neighbors, right next door to (laughs) Wisdom. And the initial invitation sounds pretty much the same. You know, they're calling out to people who pass by, simple people come in. Um, And then as you unpack it, though, you see, oh, okay, this is literally leading to death. That's what it ends with in verse 18. And you see that wisdom, that leads to beauty and depth and maturity. And so they're totally, they're totally different end games, even though the beginning looks similar, even though the call might actually look similar. And so the big takeaway from this is this word discernment is how are you going to discern what does that look like when um, when these calls are coming at you, especially in our age, in the digital, digital age, where there's information just left and right. We've talked about that before, where literally an article comes out claiming something. There's a hu- There's been an attack on the Pentagon. I think you said that like a few months yeah. ago, and it, that was completely bogus. It's from an AI source, yeah. And so anyway, and even back to my initial point too, what I was talking about with you know universities and professors and people with lots of letters after their name, I'm not saying don't listen to those folks. What I am saying is be one of the Bereans in the book of Acts and use discernment, like search the scriptures and use discernment in what we're actually going to take in and take to heart. Clark, what are you going to add here? Yeah, I had found a quote from a Harvard researcher who had a profound line that is specifically towards parents and children, but really can be applied to everybody. And he says this, in our wired world, he said, it's a world without heroes, but with no one left to admire. And as he speaks Mm -hmm. to kids, he says, as parents, you need to realize that there are dangers that come with too many choices and too few guides. Mm -hmm. We need to remind ourselves that their well-being depends not only on nutrition, sunlight, and exercise, on friendship, work, and love, but also on how they see the world. Subtly and powerfully, the media helps shape their worldview. Right. And so I just can continue saying this statement is written within the framework of parents, children, and family, but it's actually true for all of us, regardless of our familial statuses. Yeah, We need guidance and discernment because there is information overload in any... Any dude or gal can mm-hmm. write on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Anybody can write something on Google right. and start a blog post and get clicks. And usually people will, will create a title that's clickbait. They'll say something oh, provocative or that's something 100%. that's an attention yes. grabber. Then you click it and you find out, wait, this was a bait and switch or they're saying nonsense or whatever. Wisdom recognizes that the world has both positive and negative influences. So sure. instead of trying to shut the negative messages out because you can't. If you live in the world and you are not a hermit in a hole in the ground, Mm -hmm. you are going to bump into negative messages. And so one of the invitations we can do and learn from wisdom here is try to encourage the reader to discern and to decide and Mm -hmm. to see the beauty of the good and not just put down the bad. 
So case in point, mm-hmm. Christians and sexuality. Growing up, it seemed that oftentimes the church would say like, hey, sex is before marriage is bad. It's 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 bad. Sure. And the hope is that people would save themselves from marriage. Right. Well, that you have a problem here because when that individual goes to the locker room or they go to school or college or whatever, they're going to have to understand one, sex is not bad. It's a gift of God if used properly. And But the second thing is, especially the younger you are, students are going to be at school in the locker room talking about how awesome and fun it is. For sure. So if you're at church hearing, hey, this is bad, 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 bad. Right. Totally and then you different. go to school and go, this is awesome, 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 awesome. There's going to be a tension and a division in the heart. Right. And so that requires um, wisdom and more elaborate teaching. And I would say painting a picture of the beauty of God. Right. So in our teaching, we got to explain and paint a picture as to why abstinence and waiting for marriage is an awesome thing. Right. And while it leads to flourishing and while this leads to incredible freedom and why sex is great, it's a gift from God when used properly. So instead of focusing on how bad the world is and sex is bad, 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 we need to focus more on the beauty of God and the beauty of his kingdom because... When you bump up against something that is beautiful or just captivating, it Mm -hmm. disarms you. And I believe whether that's in nature or it's in the way someone conducts their life, people pause and look and go, wait wait a second. Right. Tell me about this. More time. Yeah, linger. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your weekend. Tell me about why you do this on Sundays. Why why do you and your wife love each other and, and why are you so kind and respectful to each other? Why are your kids so joyful? Why... Why do you give your money away so effortlessly? Why are you so generous? Like the, it gets the attention of the world and they bump up against something that is truly good. And that is what wisdom does. Wisdom looks at the things of God and tries to do its best to, to show us and others how beautiful God in his way is. Because hmm. when you go back and you listen to the offer of wisdom, she's talking about this, this food, the wine, the meat. Come to this feast, taste of my teaching, my correction, my wisdom. You'll be prepared. You'll be able to make good decisions. You'll have maturity, insight, and as a result, you will enjoy a long life. Mm-hmm. That That's where we're at with wisdom and folly because initially they're saying the same thing, but the roads lead to two different places, one's destruction, one's life. And so instead of us pointing out why this is bad, 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 the things of the world, because there's oftentimes an instant gratification like there's pleasure in the moment where the things of god often need to be cultivated yeah and they take time and there's not an instant oh this is worth it you know as you become more patient or you become more generous or kind it takes time i think there's even a saying that goes like that that like the idols of the world or these things that are enticing and kind of entrapments of the soul they seem to offer everything initially but they end up costing everything eventually yeah and if you have spent any time in the world at all, and maybe you've made some decisions, you know that. <laughs> it's like, oh, because oh, yeah. that's this thing with you were saying with good and bad and discernment is um, that's not only good and bad out in the world, but even in our lives. Like there's things it's like, okay, we live and learn and there's some things that you walk in and that we repent of. And there's some things that you walk in and hold on to. Mm-hmm. And I think that just comes from experience also. And so we say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for <laughs> guiding. And we... Um, yeah, we need more of you as we move forward to even be able to have the lens to discern because even seeing what's good and knowing what's good, we get that innately from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's really what this is for. Like wisdom literature 
is to usher us into right living, but it's also to usher us into the presence of God. Absolutely. And so that's what the book of Exodus touches on too. If you do, do you want to elaborate yeah, on that? Well, what just kind of popped into my mind was the character of Moses, because initially when you think about the fearing God, which is where, you know, this proverb went yes. in verse 10, um, on, w- on one sense, it's like you have to be aware of what God's capable of and how powerful he is. Mm-hmm. And so like in Exodus 3, when God comes to Moses in the burning bush, Moses is timid. He's scared. Right. Oh, and God, yeah. And, and rightfully so, right? He's like, take your shoes off, your sandals off. You're on holy ground. He's deathly afraid to look at God. When you go towards the end of Exodus chapter 33, Moses is like, show me your glory, God. And throughout this book, God's like, look, Moses, I can't show you my face. Right. Here's my back. Right. Inch yada, yada, inch, yada, yeah. yeah. But what you have in one hand is you have the um, awareness that God is all-powerful creator and eternal judge. And on the other hand, he is Abba Father, who is present and available to you. And so we hold those things hand in hand. And the commands of God, the wisdom from the scriptures in following Jesus, not only lead to right living like you just said, Bobby, but they lead us into a relationship with God, yeah. which is why we're here. Mm-hmm. So anyways... That's good stuff, you guys. Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom and folly. And you're going to hear a lot more of that. That theme kind of continues throughout the book of Proverbs. So excited to read more with you guys. Check out Proverbs chapter 10 tomorrow. God bless you. Thanks for listening. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.